Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Project Life Mastery Podcast. I'm Stephen James, founder of ProjectLifeMastery.com, internet entrepreneur and life coach with a passion for living life to the fullest and fulfilling my potential as a human being. My purpose for this podcast is to be a powerful and passionate example of the unlimited possibilities that life offers for any of us that has the courage to commit ourselves to life mastery while sharing ideas, concepts, and strategies that can help you master every area of your life from your health, mindset, emotions, business, finances, relationships, and spirituality. Now, if you're someone like me that is hungry to take their life to the next level, then you're in the right place. Welcome and let's begin. Hey everyone, this is Stephen James from Project Life Mastery and I'm here right now with JJ Virgin who is a celebrity nutrition and fitness expert. She's a four-time New York Times best-selling author including of the book The Virgin Diet and she's built a global media empire and that's what we're going to talk about today is how you built your business, your story and share some nuggets for you guys to help you guys build your businesses as well. So JJ, thank you for taking the time. Good to be here. How did you get started? Where did you start from to get to where you're at today? So how far back do we want to go? <laughs> as far back as you yeah, want. Yeah, it's so funny because we're getting ready to do this talk and they pulled out these pictures of me in Japan with my leg warmers, right? right? I was like, so it went way far back. And wow. I think it's always important to emphasize that because you always look at that person and you go, yeah. oh, it was easy for them, right. right? You know, it's like, boom, they just became successful. It's like they didn't look at the 20, 30 years of right. slogging, right. you know, and grinding. Um, I have always been into health and fitness, yeah. always. Like, can't imagine time I wasn't. Um, I started teaching calisthenics. Okay. This is like, I could have said jazzercise, but it was like that, the aerobics, yeah. all of that. Um, and back in college, I became one of the first personal trainers. It was wow. me embodied by Jake wow. and Mark Sisson. Wow. three. Yes. And it actually was what woke me up to marketing. Right. Because I was paying my way through college as a personal trainer. And it was in the 80s. And it was great. I was making like six figures cash. Wow. While I was in college. Right. right. So I was like, I am rich. This is awesome. But... I was charging, at the start, I was charging $35 an hour, then 45 I kept raising it every time I'd get a new client to see right. how far I could right. go. And this was cash, and this was in the 80s. And I remember I went to a new client who had been working with the Body by Jake and his brother. And his, he charged $75 for 30 minutes. And at the time, I think I was charging $45 for an hour. Mm. And he was fully booked. And I went... 
what is going on? I'm sitting here. He does not have the degrees, the background, all the stuff I have. I've got to learn the marketing side of it. I was like, that's it. I'm learning the marketing. So thank you, Body by Jake, for that one. Yeah. Wow. So how did you go from there? Did you eventually start writing books or how do you make that transition to going more, trading your time for money to scaling to that next level? I love that you said trading your time for money. So here's what happened. And so Karate Kid, I had that experience. I was a personal trainer. I was always frustrated because I wanted to figure out how to help more people. You know, how do I help more people? And I could see the trickle effect when I'd come into someone's house and I'd work with them, their family all got healthier. And that was cool, but it was like still so limited, right? So I started speaking. So this is how I can help more people. So then I started speaking. And I ended up in Florida. I was going to the University of Miami in sports medicine. And I had a client. And she was a Hawaiian blue diamond in new skin. And I remember, I'm walking down the beach with her, and she goes, so what are you going to do when you finish your graduate degree in sports medicine? Well, first she goes, why are you doing that? And I go, I want to be more successful. Mm-hmm. And I'd gone to UCLA undergrad, and everything was, you go, to, you go to undergrad, then you go to grad school, then you get a PhD. Like, I never asked why. It was like, that's what you do, right? Yeah. That's what you do. So she goes, well, all right, so when you graduate, then what are you going to do? I go, well, I'm going to go get a PhD. Mm-hmm. She goes, huh, Why? And I go, because I want to be more successful. It's like, duh. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> and she goes, well, this was a woman who grew up in a trailer park. Right. She had barely finished high school. Right. She is a multimillionaire. She is impacting millions of people. Amazing woman. Yeah. And she's looking at me. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at her like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Right? And she goes, you know those two things don't correlate. Right. I can teach you how to be successful. Mm. And I literally took my personal training business, sold it, mm. moved into her house. Wow. Yes. Just to learn from her, get mentoring? To get mentoring. Now, I thought she was going to teach me how to have a successful business. The first week, she has these rubber bands. She puts them on my wrist. She goes, every time you have a limiting belief or a negative thought, I want you to snap your rubber band. And I'm thinking, I have put, like, I've sold my business, you know? And I'm snapping a rubber band on my wrist. <laughs> And what's interesting is for six months, she trained me on mindset stuff. Just six, just over and over. I kept waiting for like, when are you going to teach me the business? You're not ready, right? right? And I, it is so much a part of me now that I didn't even remember. I've, I had some really challenging things show up. And people are like, how are you handling that? And I go, it's just because, you know, I, I don't see victims. I don't see, you know, and they're like, it is just how I roll. So she taught me way back when because she was in MLM about never trading time for money. Right. And it's kind of like once you see that and once you you can't ever escape, you know, I think so many people think they're an entrepreneur and they're just Mm. a bad boss to themselves, which is what I was. I was running myself ragged. And if I took off for a vacation, like that was it, you know, it just didn't matter. Right. I mean, so I was speaking, but that's still trading time for money. And so once she taught me that, I didn't love the whole MLM thing. I liked all the positive stuff that they teach you and mm-hmm. the being around really amazing people. But the actual thing, I thought, well, if I'm going to build a business, I might as well build one for myself, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I just took those principles I learned from her and I put them into place in my own business. So how did you make that transition? Did you start selling information products or books? To How did you transition from trading your time speaking to scaling up and removing yourself from the business? So first, I started hiring other trainers. Okay. That's really challenging because I didn't have a system. 
right? So really, when you look at something like that, it's a personality-driven business. And someone who was really good was like, well, I'll just go do it for myself. And then I had a gym, so at least I then had a place for them. But what was interesting, once I had the gym, I started doing nutrition out of the gym as well. And we started doing so much nutrition, it was sort of like we had this nutrition center with some weight equipment. And I finally went, why don't I just do that? And along the same time, I was um, helping a doctor. And he said, come over and help me. I'm on the Dr. Phil show, and I need, some, I need someone to help me. And I showed up when Dr. Phil was first starting his weight loss challenges, and I brought in my $5,000 bioimpedance scale, and I started just doing what I'm used to doing because he'd asked me to help. And the next thing you know, I'm on that show mm-hmm. for two years. Wow. Two years, right? And along that same time, it was like, you should write a book. Right. So I did. I wrote my first book. I was actually at a marketing event, and for the thousandth time, someone said, how did you get those arms? And I thought... Okay, how many times do I get asked this? I'll just write a book on this. And I literally had a manager at the time. I told him, he goes, oh my gosh, we fly to New York. I sit down with an editor at Simon & Schuster. I took off my jacket and she said, I'll buy the book. And that was that. Now, I now know that that is not what you do. You don't take the first offer. you right. know. But I remember at the time walking down the streets of New York going, I have made it. <laughs> of course, I didn't know how to sell the book or in market the book or anything else. So it started out, at least it got me going to realize the power of a book. But I think you know that book has been in like its fifth or sixth reprint because they probably printed like two, mm-hmm. you know, and they print two more. I mean, it just, I think I've sold maybe 5,000 of those books. Okay. And so what it inspired me to do was to learn how to sell books, right? right? Because I saw books as an amazing... Books, to me, that was my big turning point, was The Virgin Diet. And when you look at books, they are an incredible vehicle because just like podcasts, right? People listen to them. They feel like they know you. I mean, even with books, they take you out of bed with them. (laughs) You know, they're in the bathroom with you. You know, it's just... It's a great thing. But that book was I didn't treat it as like, I treated it as, okay, I need to learn. I need to learn, and this is not the big book. It was a good start. And so when it came to the next book, I'm very coachable. I had this incredible agent who I met when I was on Freaky Eaters. My co-star had this incredible agent, and I had a limiting belief that you didn't get big book advances. And he'd gotten half a million dollars for a book advance, and he didn't have any of the experience that I'd had. And I went, all right, if that guy can get yeah. That's, I'm, I went and I said, let me meet your agent. And so I met his agent and I told her, I want a half million dollar book advance because you got one for him. Right. right? Still a limiting belief when you right. think about it. Um, and so she goes, okay. And I said, I want to write a book on weight loss resistance, which was my whole platform. And she goes, no, 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 no. You should write a book on that food allergy stuff. I go, it's not food allergies. It's a food intolerance. Mm-hmm. She goes, okay, well, that's what you should write it on. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did is we went and sold that book. We got $520,000. My show had just gotten canceled. My first book didn't wow. do well. Wow. But I was had decided I was going to make get a $500,000 book advance because publishers do not pay attention to you unless they give you big advances. Right. I'd already the learned that. I was like this, you know, no one cared the last time. They didn't care if, you know, the $50,000 book advance was nothing. So this time I wanted them to pay attention. And I published with Harlequin, and it was their big book in the non-romance category. 
So it was, it was super exciting. Um, but I also decided, you know what, I'm going to do every single thing I need to make this book go. And so I had Brendan Burchard was my coach. Right. And it was before Brendan became Brendan. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's always been amazing. And I knew I'm like, I'm never going to get close to this guy again. So I was very lucky. I worked with Brendan for two years. Now he's a close friend. His mom was actually walked my dog down the aisle at my wedding. Oh, wow. um, but he coached me through that. And I did exactly what he told me to do. Wow. And I got exactly the same results. Wow. Was he more coaching you on the book process or the mindset? Because he's all about the performance as well. Back then, he was really more focused on his Experts Academy, Great. and he his whole he had a process for how you yeah. make a successful book. And I just did. I think where a lot of people will fall down is they hear a coach say something, go, "Oh, I can do that better." Right. Now maybe you can the second time, but do it the way they taught you to do it the first time. Yeah. Right. So I did exactly what he told me to do, yeah. and that book debuted on the New York Times list was on for 26 weeks like it just was like poof, right yeah, it yeah. just and it was funny because he got a his next book after that he got a two million dollar book deal my next one I got a two million dollar book deal I was like it just wow. just you know process but I literally did what he told me to do and he it wasn't easy I mean he was like you're gonna have to re-record that you have to do it. whatever he told me I was like I'm in I'll do it that's awesome. So I know a lot of my audience, they actually have a desire to publish a book. I actually work with a lot of publishers and authors that self-publish on Amazon. But one of the challenges, of course, is getting your message out there. You could have this amazing book, but if yeah. no one can find it, you can't get their attention. They're not going to consume it. So any tips or strategies in terms of how to get your book out there and trying to you know, get on that bestseller list? Yeah, and I think self-publishing is super important. You should do a published book when you have the big idea. Right. But it's a great place to start and a great place in the in-between. Like, I have self-published books and published books. Yeah. I do both. And, so, and do you find more the, the, the publishing deal comes when you have a bigger audience? Like, once you build a bit of a brand? Do not go get a self-publishing deal if you ha do not have a okay. platform. Right, like, so you have the platform you, first. You want to have two things. You want to have this, this unique, novel killer idea that there's already some kind of proof for you know it's it's this challenging thing because it can't be played out right so published books versus non-published books if you have a big book novel idea and this is the challenge is the publisher wants a new idea but not too new because there's got to be some proof of concept out there right and then if it's a smaller idea or something that you want to get that idea out quick Right, or you want to use it for more marketing stuff where you can control it, do a, do a self-published book. I think they're both fantastic, but you don't want to go after a publisher until you've really built a platform because you want to be able to get a good, a good advance. And yeah. I really use publishers. They're going to be my partner. They're going to help me create a better book. They're going to give me deadlines, yeah. <laughs> important, big yeah. deadlines, and they're going to help with distribution. The marketing is always going to be on us. And ultimately, you can have the best idea, crappy marketing, and no one will know about it. So if you look at books and how they really, really sell, they sell by word of mouth. 90% mm. of book sales happen by word of mouth. So I think we're all looking at like the best way to advertise. Them. And the, the best single way, if you look at what Jack Hanfield and Mark Victor Hansen did with Chicken Soup for the Soul, they did thousands of thousands of radio interviews, which mm. now is not relevant, but podcasts, speaking in small groups, and then just making concepts that are so shareable that people want to pass them on to other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your 
a master at media. When I go to your website, you know, you've been in everything. So any tips there in terms of getting that media exposure? So media exposure is really important, but not for the reasons people think it is. They think you're going to get on, say, Dr. Oz and get millions of views. And what I will tell you is back when I was on Dr. Phil, that actually happened. Except I forgot to have this thing on my website. You know that thing, the box that you put your name and email on? Didn't have it. Right. (laughs) Oops. But what happens now when you're on TV is that it differentiates you. There is so much noise out there now that you really, besides building your platform in terms of like numbers, how do you get that audience, you really need to build your platform in terms of your credibility. Okay. And it's a credibility booster. It definitely is. Now, there's a whole lot of different ways to do that. And one of the things that I think you need to do on TV is I did not go on Dr. Phil as my first show. Right. I was very fortunate in that I'd gotten to Palm Desert, California. So when I got there, I went, you know what? I need to build my business quickly here, so I'm just going to go on local TV. This will be easy. And I did. I went on local TV all the time because I would simply write to the publishers, to the um, editors of the show, and i go, all right, producers, here's my idea. And I'd fully flesh it out. They're super busy. So whether it's you want to be on a podcast, a TV show, like I'm amazed at the people who want to be on my podcast. And I go, do you see my audience? Because what you're proposing, I had someone, I had a midwife go, my women, their worst nightmare is needing you. They're 50. They don't want to ever even think about having babies again. So this is not like they don't care about this, right? So if some, But if someone wants to be on my podcast and they explain exactly why I'd be perfect for my audience and what they want to talk about and how it's going to serve, they're in. So what I would do with any producers, and I still do this to this day, I go, here's what's going on. You know, here's my credibility. Here's what's being talked about. Here's the zeitgeist. And here's my take on it. And here's what I'm going to do. And here's my props. And like I show them the whole thing on how their segment's already done for them. They're busy. Mm-hmm. They're fired up about this. Yeah. Right? And then I follow up, but I'm not a pest. Yeah. You know, one thing I'm observing is you, your mindset is incredible. You know, because you're willing to do things that most people aren't willing to do. You know, most people, they have the excuses, the stories about why they can't reach out or why they can't do this or that. And I'd love to just kind of dive deep into that. You know, what was the mindset of just being willing to do whatever it took? I'll find the way or make the way. Like, what's the mindset, any beliefs that you might have that you could share with the audience? I heard a great, um, great one on Roland Frazier's Business Lunch. I can't remember who said it, but it basically was constraints create... Uh, creativity or foster creativity. And the bottom line was I'm a single mom, sole financial support for my kids, and I had to be successful and make this work for them. Right. You know, so there was no luxury here. No one's like handed me anything. No one said, hey, hit you with the lucky stick. Everything that I've had, I've created, I've financed. I haven't taken any finance for any of my companies. So I've always been hungry, Right. And I think that helps a ton is to stay hungry. But I also have a bigger mission and purpose beyond like, you know, I want to feed my kids. That was that was purpose one. Like I want to feed my kids, you know, and there were times in there where I literally was like, you know, I remember we cannot buy grapes. They are way too expensive. Right. Um, But then it's also having that bigger purpose. Why out there that really honestly keeps expanding. Like my first why was I do not ever want to have to get a job. Yeah. I've had one job. I got fired it's in three months. You, yeah. yeah, I'm just never having a job. I don't want to have to go to one place all the time. That's horrible. And then it was like, I want to be able to provide for my kids, you know? And then it just, your why expands, right? As you get 
farther up probably on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but now it's a much bigger place where it's like, all right, first was how do I help a million people get healthy? And the next thing I knew I was on Dr. Phil. Yeah. And then went, well, check that one off the list. Yeah. And then went, well, that, now it really could be 10 million. But between Dr. Phil and PBS and all the books, it's like, okay, what about a billion? Like, what about a billion? What if it's, this is, you know, Richard Branson's like, let's go to, or Elon Musk, let's go to Mars. You know, what, what about if my moonshot was, how do you help a billion people get healthy? Well, you help 10,000 other health experts and health entrepreneurs get their message out. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard, actually, when you think about it, right? So I think you just have to always have that thing that is going to keep you moving forward. And I also have a litmus test. And for me, if I am not feeling a little bit like afraid, like I feel like I might want to throw up, you know, a little bit like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? A little imposter syndrome. If I am not feeling that, then I know that I'm just playing small. Right. So you had doubts and fears to put yourself out there, to get your book out there, but you looked at it as... You're pushing your comfort zone, which means you're growing, and that's a, that's a good sign. That was that mentor at 30 talked about, one of the first things she talked about, because there is no growth in your comfort zone, right? Yeah. And she talked about constantly expanding your comfort zone. Yeah. And you do. You get to the point where when you said that thing, I, mean, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, like how would someone not knock down the walls if they needed to? to get to where they want to be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to do what they have to do. You just do what you have to do. Yeah. What were some of the challenges and obstacles that you faced along the way, and how did you overcome them? So when The Virgin Diet was getting ready to be published, it was um, probably a month beforehand I'd invested the entire advance I invested into doing a public television special, into a launch that Brendan helped me with, and I borrowed some money too. And four weeks before, my 16-year-old son, I had two sons, 15 and 16 at the time, and Grant got hit by a car while crossing the street at dusk and literally was left for dead in the street. And they airlifted him to our local hospital. When we got there, they said, you're going to have to let him die. And uh, he had a torn aorta, kills 90% of the people on the scene. They told us sometime in the next 24 hours it's going to rupture. And we cannot fix it here because we do not have the right the right facility, surgeon, etc. And he had multiple brain bleeds. So he's in a deep coma, 13 fractures, this torn aorta. We decided we were going to airlift him to the next hospital. We overruled this this doctor who was very angry. And I'm like, he's going to die here, right? Yes. I'm like, all right, well then, you know, let's take our chances. So we airlifted him to this next hospital. He was in the hospital for four and a half months. I launched my Virgin Diet book bedside next to, and I have the pictures. I have a picture of me on my laptop. He is in a coma ventilator, you know, wow. <laughs> whole thing. And I'm sitting there bedside launching my New York Times. In fact, at the same time, the hospital knew what was going on, right? They, they knew that I had this book and I was like going, I have to make this book work. Like yeah. this book is going to save my son's life. And I told Grant, I said, here he is in a coma. And I'm like, Grant, you're going to be 110%. We totally got this. Now, this is ridiculous. They don't know he's going to make it through the night. I'm like, we've got this. Don't worry. Your name means warrior, but I need you to fight. And I'm going to pull in all the resources. And that was it. I was like, I'm just going to get this kid to be 110%. But the only way I'm going to do this is to make this book go huge. Because if I do not have the book, I will be bankrupt. 
because right. I invested everything in it. I'll never be able to do another book because they're not going to go, okay, well, you didn't sell the first one and you didn't sell the second one. Gee, let's give you yeah. some more. So I knew that this, ha- it was like, you know, go time. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And honestly, I think it's a big reason that the virgin diet became the success it is. And my son is 110%. Yeah. Right. And you know what's so cool about all that? It is very hard to rattle me at this point. Wow. Once you've gone through adversity like that, your back's been against the wall, you have to find the way. It is one of those big gifts that at the time, you're not going, this is such a gift. No, at the time I wasn't going, this is great. You know, it was like, that was not happening. I was like, gosh. But, you know, every time you go through something rough and you get through it, because you always get through it, right? Because we aren't victims. (laughs) I I love that that whole saying of there are no victims, only volunteers. It is completely how you decide to show up. And every time you show up and you get through one of those things, you go, you know, and you realize that so many of the things that people, I'm amazed at what people will get rattled by. I'm like, that rattled you? Right. That rattled you. You know, or say haters. Right. If you don't have haters, it's because you're irrelevant. Right. Right. You know, no one cares. Yeah. Because if people care, you will have haters. Yeah. That's it. I mean, Rachel Ray has haters. Rachel Ray she makes pasta on TV, yeah. you know? I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Now, you transform so many people's lives with health and fitness. And I'd love to hear from your perspective the correlation on how really taking good care of your body, how that amplifies other, other aspects of your life. Because, and I believe, you know, if you want to build a business, you're going to need a tremendous amount of energy to pursue your dreams, your goals. And a lot of people, they don't have that. They don't take care of their body. So what have you noticed in terms of prioritizing health and fitness, how that has helped you, but also some of the people that you worked with and, and seen their transformation. Yeah, it's so hard to even understand someone not making their health a priority. I remember yeah. when I first started in personal training, it was seen as such a luxury, yeah. right? I mean, oh, you doing that and you exercising, that's so, you're vain. And I'm like, right. vain? If exercise was a drug, it would be the most prescribed drug on the planet. Right. You know, it is absolutely crazy. So I love that saying that the way you do one thing is the yeah. way you do everything, right? Mm-hmm. That is, I don't know who said it, but whoever did, they were really smart because it does create a ripple effect. Yeah. I mean, if you get up and you go and you exercise, you're probably going to eat a little bit better than you would have. And then you eat a little bit better and then you've got a little more energy. So then you're not going to need that 12th cup of coffee. I actually think coffee is health food, but not if you douse it with skim milk and, you know, drink tons of it. Um, And then if you've done that, you probably aren't going to be so super stressed. You're going to have to like chug down a bunch of vodka at night and then, you know, then you'll probably sleep better. So it just, it all goes together. But I think where people mess up with all of that is, if they haven't been taking care of themselves, they look at the whole situation, they go, oh my gosh, what am I gonna have to do? They go, I need to change my diet and I need to start exercising and I gotta sleep and I gotta deal with my stress. I should take some supplements. I should probably do some meditation or maybe some tapping. And you look at the whole thing and you're like, this is just too much. Instead of going, how about I'll just do one thing. Like Mm -hmm. Gary Keller's book I think is the best book ever for just how to live your life. Pick one thing. Just And I have to remind myself all the yeah. time because we're entrepreneurs. We don't want to pick one thing. Yeah. We're, we're abundance-minded. <laughs> but if you just, in anything that you want to do, go, all right, I know I need to get healthier. And I'm, health is something we're always working on up-leveling. It's not static. Mm-hmm. If you're not constantly improving it, it's declining, mm-hmm. right? 
And so I just am always working on something. There's always one thing that I'm working on that I'm improving, mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. And then when that one's really dialed, I'll go to the next one. Yeah. So what would you say is maybe one of the biggest things or something that people could do to immediately improve their health? Any tips that you have for someone? You got, I know you got lots. <laughs> but what, what's one big one, one that you can share? You know that book, the Get That Bleep to Sleep? Yeah. <laughs> that's a kid's book, but it should be for everybody, probably parents more than anything else. If I had to pick one thing that's going to make the biggest change in your overall health, it's sleep. Yeah. Because if you don't sleep well, you're hungrier and it's not for broccoli. Right. Right? And, and not just the duration, but the quality of sleep. Oh, too. it's totally quality. As you yeah. see, I've got a. I, the aura ring. We got yeah. an aura ring going. I'm so happy with this new one as opposed oh, to the great. other one. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't wear the other one. And I was doing a dual Fitbit and aura ring just to really track right. everything. But, you know, what you measure and you monitor, you can improve. So I always wear this to make sure. I do not buy into what it says in terms of activity level. Right. I wish it was right. true. I'm like, oh, that's it's so It's different not true. than the Fitbit, I've noticed. I don't know which yeah. one's more accurate. I think the Fitbit on, on exercise, but this does great for sleep. And so, you know, I am really nuts on my sleep. Yeah. And I travel and I switch time zones a lot. So I'm yeah. really crazy about getting my sleep in. And it's funny, my husband, when I first met him, he was not a sleeper. Right. He would sleep five to six hours a night. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. Like, yeah. this is not, you did not put this on your match profile. Right. You know, that should be a question. <laughs> and uh, he is now an eight to nine sleeper. He's absolutely obsessed with sleep. But what's interesting is when we first met and we switched his sleep, and he was still having a little sugar sneaking in, but not, not so bad. He's very athletic, but he couldn't keep weight on after that. Yeah. So if anyone's listening going on and asleep, hey, it's going to help amazingly for being able to focus, think straight. But in terms of weight loss, like it's one of the yeah. top things you can do. So what's, what do you do to optimize your sleep? So I have a whole routine for the 30 to 60 minutes before bed of dimming the lights, cooling down the house. If I'm placed like no baths where we are right now, but I take a hot bath with Epsom salts. I take, I have a product called Sleep Candy, which is theanine and 5-HTP and melatonin and B6 and inositol. I had it made because I was like messing with all those things. So I take that and then I read a good but not great book. Right. So I take all technology gone. Right, And so I have that little ritual that I do. I have a night ritual and a morning ritual. And my goal is to fall asleep between 9 and 10 o'clock at night and to wake up without an alarm. And right. generally I do it. Now, we have some time zone shifting because I kind of live bi-coastally. Mm-hmm. But I'm really careful as I shift time zones that I don't move, go to the East Coast from the West Coast and decide I'm going to you know, start my day at at 8 a.m. there the next day. I don't do it. So mm-hmm. I let myself shift my time zones carefully. Got it. And let me just ask you about your morning as well. Is there a certain morning ritual that you have? Yes, journal. I think, you know, you probably hear it from every every single yeah. successful person. It's like, I've got a journal. Yeah. And so journaling is a huge one for me. My biggest ritual every morning is Tim gets up and goes and gets me. And I drink my, um, one of my best friends is Dave Asprey, Bulletproof. Yep. So I will only drink Bulletproof beans. Now, I don't do it the Bulletproof way unless Dave's making it for right. me. Because I'm totally spoiled. Admit yep. it. But um, I just drink black Bulletproof coffee. I have my journal and a little bit of cuddling with my dog. Yeah. And um, I don't work out in the morning because that's my brain time. So that is my time that I block out for my creative brain dump. And generally, I eat breakfast within about two hours of waking up. 
Right. And it was funny. I was I'm about to do a TV segment on whether or not to eat breakfast. Yeah. Because all the intermittent fasting stuff came out, and people were skipping breakfast and not eating until lunch. And the research just doesn't prove that out. If you yeah. look at every single thing, it is still so clear that if you're going to do intermittent fasting, skip dinner. Right. Right. I mean, it is definitely skip dinner, but you know, eat by usually depending on when you're going to wake up. You're going to eat by eight or nine o'clock. Have an early dinner. Yeah. But don't skip breakfast. Important. So I guess the last question I have for you, we're, we're here at the Traffic and Conversion Summit. You're one of the speakers here. What is, what is the core message that you want to share with entrepreneurs? You know, a lot of people watching, they're entrepreneurs, they're just getting started maybe. Is there maybe a core message that you want to leave people with? I think the most powerful thing that you can do is to build a personal brand. Yeah. The reason being is when you build a personal brand, it allows you to then have the freedom to go and do all sorts of things with that personal brand. So I built a personal brand, you know, in started in fitness, moved into nutrition and really moved into more of kind of a functional medicine approach in that. And then I jumped on over to building in um, health entrepreneurship and coaching health entrepreneurs and health experts, right? And now I'm actually building a third one that's a seven, eight, nine figure women's entrepreneur group. So, but it's all my personal brand, right? And then what I've done to make those things saleable, because that's the big argument around personal brands. Oh, you can't sell them and go, but that's not what you're doing. What you do is you have your personal brand and then I have my nutrition piece of it. And we're actually redoing the entire thing. My name is coming off of it over the next three years. Mm -hmm. And so we have that piece that we have just sold a part of it off. Mm-hmm. And then Mindshare, even though it started out as JJ's thing, I didn't even have a name for it. Yeah. No website, no name. People just getting together to collaborate and share ideas. And as it grew, I was like, we really need a name for this, right? And it took a while, and I started putting more and more people up on stage. So it wasn't JJ's thing. It was everybody's group they co-curated. And then I'm doing the same thing again. And so when you build a personal brand, it can help you launch anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mm-hmm. talked about Brendan. When I met Brendan... Uh, a lot of people known him for his partnership stuff, and then he moved into Experts Academy. That's when I met him, and he had this little thing called High Performance Academy. It really was small and just kind of growing. The big one was Experts Academy, but now when you look at him, he's really moved yeah. into high performance and personal development. He always wanted to, and yeah. uh, so, but his having that strong personal brand gave him the freedom to move into these different things. And then if he chose to sell off any of those ones, he could. Mm. But he still keeps him. Mm. So I think it's a really powerful thing to do. And so how should someone build their brand today? Is it more putting out content, social media? I think that more than ever, we've got to go back. So one of the things that we're really working on in all of our brands is more events, experiences. Um, I've actually never really run ads so, because I was always out speaking, I did a lot of TV, but TV nowadays isn't how you build an audience. Right. It's just how you build credibility. But I always did a lot of speaking and met people. Yeah. And, you know, you can do some of that with Facebook and Instagram and YouTube lives, but it's not the same as going out. So I do events. We're actually going to start doing a lot more meetups. And, and I do a lot of communicating through social media on those lives and talking to people you just can't get away from that. I think mm. people are trying to get away from that and try to find the best ad. The best. Yeah. If you build a solid business talking to people, first of all, you're going to know what they want. Yeah. I brought my top customers from, from the JJ Virgin brand 
over to my house for the afternoon. We needed to get some testimonials for home shopping, but it turned out to be the greatest thing ever. They just told me everything they wanted. And we just hung out for, like, we actually hung out the entire day. Mm-hmm. And I also totally understand the words they use, what they want, right? That's what you need to be doing. Yeah. You've got to be, and if you are not in love with your audience, yeah. then you've got the wrong audience. Like, you want to be with people who you love, you want to serve. If you stay with that, you will, and you just stay there and grind, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a grind. It's yeah. not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen, you've got to give three to five years of grinding mm-hmm. and the audience you love with a message that makes a difference. That's not the same old thing that you're doing or because, like, let's say we're in health because keto's hot. You know, it is ridiculous. You do something that matters to you. I mean, I've been saying for 25 years that that your body's not a bank account. It's a chemistry lab. For 25 years, I've been saying the calorie model's stupid, right? Mm-hmm. It's finally catching on. Mm-hmm. Like, there finally was a study that came out about it yeah. 25 years later. Right? Yeah. yeah, Awesome. So there you have it. Go out there, build your personal brand. JJ, thank you so much. How can people find out more about you and what you're up to? So... Personal brand, jjvirgin.com, and my JJ Virgin Lifestyle Show, and then mindsharecollaborative.com is all the health experts and health entrepreneurs. Great. And we'll link all of that below for you guys, so definitely recommend checking out JJ's work. But Thank you. But it's an honor and pleasure. Thank you so much. And I think your message today is going to really help and inspire a lot of people. So. Thank you guys very much for watching. If you enjoyed this, hit the thumbs up here on YouTube. Leave a comment below. Check out JJ's stuff. And we'll see you again in the next video. Take care. Thanks for joining me today and listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or received any value, then I'd love for you to leave an honest review on iTunes and subscribe to the Project Life Mastery podcast for future episodes. And of course, to receive more content and value, make sure to find and follow me at www.projectlifemastery.com for more. Thanks again. Remember to always believe and commit your life to mastery. I look forward to talking to you again soon.